Welcome to the Evolving Digital Self Podcast, where we explore the conscious use of technology. Listen in to hear thought leaders and other guests discuss the human relationship with technology and learning to thrive in the digital era. Hosted by the author of the international best-selling digital self-mastery series and being at work, Dr. Heidi Forbes Usta. a very special treat on our launch day of this particular episode. It happens to be Ted Rubin's 60th birthday. Hard to believe because this guy looks pretty damn good for his age. I hope we all are doing this well at 60. So in your honor, here we go, Ted. Sing with me, folks. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Ted. Happy birthday to you. Welcome back to the Evolving Digital Self Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Heidi Forbesista, and today I am very excited to share with you one of my favorite people. Ted Rubin, who he's been around for me for many years, uh, having come from the social strategy space. Ted really has been this incredible advocate for the return on relationships and what that means for people and for businesses for many years. So welcome, Ted. Thank you so much, Heidi. I'm really excited to be here. Always, always enjoy our conversations and excited to have one here um, on your podcast. Thank you. Thank you. So you've been working on a lot of great new stuff recently. And part of that is, as we all know, the digital environment has really changed rapidly. Uh, even since we started working in this space, gosh, we met almost 10 years ago, I think now. And so it's really, you know, the landscape has changed considerably from just advising people about social media to really trying to understand how to keep people connected and be human in the process, right? Uh, absolutely. And I, I think that you know, it, it's gone beyond I me. Mean, when I first got involved in this, this space, it was all about digital, just things first becoming digital and the ability to email and then the ability to text. And for me, social platforms have just expanded it well beyond any of those means. And now the ability to connect 24-7 with almost anybody. So, you know, I mean, I remember when I graduated college in uh, 1980. You know, my dad would talk to me about how to try to connect with people when you met with them face to face. And the kind of research you had to do was almost day of, like you had to go to an office early, walk around, see what was in the neighborhood, go into the office, always make sure to look at what was on the walls and on the desk in an office. Even if you could possibly get into the office, you were going to have your meeting in a little sooner because um, you had to try to pick it up on the fly. And now you can do all this in advance. Unfortunately... So few people do. And, you know, even watching the way things have evolved since you and I have known each other, I still think of social media platforms might not be in their infancy, but people's ability to truly leverage them um, and leverage them from a, from a business and a personal aspect, I think it's in its infancy, mainly because of old habits die hard and fear and laziness. Because what I find more with marketers than individuals they want everything to be automated. They want to work nine to five and go home. They want to press a button and get their influencers and their media and their content. And it, it, you can certainly do it that way, but to the detriment of your brand, in my opinion. Yeah. No, very, very wise words. Wise words. So I'm curious because you've been in technology for quite a long time. And 
How has your relationship evolved over the years? Well, you know, truthfully, I don't cons- I'm not in, I am so not a technologist and I am so not in technology. Technology is kind of just the thing that's enhanced and enabled my ability to do what I love to do. Um, and, and I try to explain that to people because a lot of people think that I'm like, especially family members, like, oh, Ted, could you help me with this? I'm like, I'm like, dude, that's not me. Like, I don't even know how to figure out how to use an app. Like, I get a new app and I have to wait for Heidi, who I might be seeing at an event, to show me what buttons to press. Because when I go in, it's just not intuitive to me because I don't think like that. But once I learn how to use it, then I can leverage it uh, in a way that I see um, enhancing the relationships that are really the goal of what I'm trying to build. So I look more, I look at technology, I don't even know if I call it a partner, I call it more of a, of a necessity and a valuable tool. So the way it's changed what I do is it's enabled me to do what I love to do, which is connect and build relationships and do it at scale um, and do it truthfully, if I wanted to, 24-7. And when I say that, I don't mean I actually do it 24-7, but I could pick any hourly part of that 24-second calendar, regardless of where I am in the world, and I can connect and engage. I mean, sometimes a person, luckily, I, I, I do sleep okay. I, I wake up a lot at night, but I, I'm able to fall back asleep. But every once in a while, like all of us, I'll wake up at 2 in the morning or 3 in the morning, like eyes wide open. And I pick up my phone and I'm engaging with people, whether it's late night people here in the States or people on the West Coast where it, it might sound late, but it's only midnight or people overseas, whether it be in Europe or Asia, or maybe the day is the ending or, or beginning um, and, and accomplish a goal. And whether that goal be do a specific business-related task or just meet another person and engage and see if there's some point of connection. And what's even better is that so much of it is contextual. Mm-hmm. In other words, like, sure, in the early days before social platforms, I could go on digitally and email somebody cold or connect with them on text or maybe call them because back 10 years ago, people actually still use the phone. Um and weren't so afraid of it, but there was no context around it. It was more like a cold calling. It was more like maybe they were on a list or maybe I saw them on a podcast and I wanted to connect with them. Whereas now I can see ongoing conversations and jump right in with someone that it can either help me solve a problem, um, add value to, to a post that I'm writing, be a business prospect for a job or a speaking gig. I mean, whatever it is I want. And I can do that at any time. So it like amazes me when, when people will say, oh, you know, I've got no work to do. Well, you have no work that you have to do, or you might have no work you want to do. But there's like no time. Like I, like I laugh now. I'll be in an airport, and a lot of times, a lot of cities I fly into, someone will offer to pick me up, whether it's a business partner or someone I'm doing business with or just someone like you that might say, hey, Ted, I saw you coming into SFO. I'm going to be around with my car. I'll come get you. And then I get a text from you. Oh my God, your flight got in early. I'm not there yet. I'm sorry. And I'm like, why are you sorry? I have my laptop. I have my phone. I have plenty of work to do. Or even if I don't have a specific task I have to accomplish, I can always accomplish something that's of value to me. And, and, and with a lot of people, and I'm a, my, my girls are now 20 and 22 and, you know, I don't think they'd ever get on a FaceTime with me, but I see a lot of dads or my business partner, John, he'll get downtime. And he'll quickly just open up his laptop and FaceTime with his daughter or from his iPhone. And, you know, and, and that's his way of taking advantage of that time and, and basically saying, 
I don't care that you're late. Like I laugh when people are like, where are you? How come you're not here? Like, what's the matter? You, you don't tell me you have nothing to do. You have a phone in your hand or even take it to a social point of view. And yes, this can get bad at some points when you do it to the neglect of dealing face to face with people. But like uh, people think I'm very outgoing and, and I'm really not. I'm really a little bit of an introvert. I, I've learned to teach myself because once I get into a conversation, I kind of lose the rest around me that, that might make me uncomfortable. And I'm one on one with Heidi. But when I walk into a room where I don't know anybody, I'm not comfortable. And it's great now. Like you can go in a bar and I'm waiting for you in a bar and I'm there alone and I don't know anybody. I got my phone. I got company wherever I go, whether it's work, putting out social posts, creating content um, or making a phone call or making a voice call or listening to a podcast. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, it's it, it, it certainly it. Some people say that a lot of these tools make us feel like we always have to be busy. But to me, you're in control of yourself in your own time. So I like to say attitude goes to perspective, leads to mindset. Nice. So it's really up to you. So yesterday I was with a friend and we took a walk to the beach and I just gotten back from out of town and I forgot my phone. And I'm totally meant to take it with me because I like to sit on the beach and, and even when I'm with a friend, like I'll get an idea, I'll do something. And I forgot it. And she could not believe that I wasn't running back to the house to get it. Now my home is only four minutes from the beach. Okay, so yeah, we'll get that out of the way. Yes, I live in Florida. I live right near the beach. It's really awesome. So I could have easily come back, but I'm not, like, I don't have to. I'm like, great. It was almost like, thank you. Like, I would have taken it if I meant to, but it was like, now I'm here. I don't have to have my phone. I can go with a thought for more than 30 seconds before I have to throw it on Twitter to see if it gets any uptake. I can talk to the person I'm with. So you know, for me, technology has enabled me, again, to do this podcast from my terrace. So um, I'll show you. Um, that's where I'm sitting. Nice. Right? And as soon as we get off, I, I was doing, I was, I was doing like you were hiking. I, had a, I was doing a walk on the beach, and I, didn't, I only finished about half of it because I had two of these before you that I had to get back for. But because of technology, I can do that. Because of technology, I can walk. I can work from anywhere. Because of technology, when a friend says, hey – we're having this party for my mom in Arizona. Um, can you come? You know, there's a friend I grew up with since we were little. And I'm like, well, as long as it doesn't conflict with an event I have to be at, well, what about work? I'm like, I work from anywhere. Yeah. So to me, that's the first step of technology, the, this ability we have to work from anywhere, but it's given me this power to connect with anybody. And again, at scale, like people will say to you, you know, well, what is that? There's that number, like I forgot. There's a name for it. You can only connect with 150 people and have true connections, and and I, you know, I call bullshit on that, because and the reason I call bullshit on it is not only because of the tools we have today, but because you know Google had was onto something when they had their circles concept. They they never were able to do it because they're not a social company, so they didn't get it. But the way I look at it with the circles is that you have these different circles that overlap, and at different points in time you're more focused on one of those circles than another. That doesn't mean those people in those other circles are no longer your relationships. It just means at the moment you're focusing on, and let's use that 150 number, whatever it is, that you're focusing on that 150 yep. or this 150 a week later. And, and as you move it and rotate it, and then how many times have you reconnected with someone you haven't seen for 10 years? So and many. Be, and because you've noticed their kids' pictures being posted and the college graduation being posted, you don't feel like it's almost like within seconds 
you're, you, the uptick is right there. And even if it isn't, you quickly go to their Facebook page and you scroll down. And even though you have not been connecting with them, you get a, a view of their life, again, depending on how social they are, of course. So for me, it's, it, it's the tools and it's the platforms. The tools being you know, these things, the phones and the, and the laptops and the iPads and the things that allow us to move around and the, and the internet itself and Wi-Fi. And then it's these platforms that now were the next stage of, of web development where now when I post something or when you post this podcast, it doesn't just go on your podcast and you have X amount of podcast followers. It gets posted to your Facebook. It gets posted to my Facebook. It goes to my LinkedIn, to your LinkedIn, to my here. And it ends up being able to reach this much larger audience, whether it goes from five people to 50 people or 5,000 people to 50 or 500,000 people. It expands that whole reach. So for me, that's enabled me to do what I do. I mean, I've always been who I am, but only this small universe of people knew that yeah. because I only met so many people. And even if you spoke at an event, now you speak at an event and people take pictures and they share it. And way more people than were at the event experience that. And then there's things like these podcasts and other things that people hear names and know things. So it's enabled me to, to do what I do, which is have my voice. I don't do any advertising for my business. I, this is my advertising. The content I create, the engagement I do, the brand I built by my reputation. I like to say that a brand is what you do. A reputation is what people remember and share. And it's what precedes you and what follows you. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's why it's so important to represent that to people. And, and that's why brands don't understand. They think of, oh, my brand. My brand is we build the finest technology. That doesn't mean shit if people get your Fitbit and it breaks every 10 or 11 months. And when you mention it to someone, they go, oh, yeah, you got lucky. Mine only lasted six months. That's your reputation. That's not your brand. Your brand is really cool, connected technology that allows you to measure, blah, blah, blah. But your, your reputation is your product falls apart after six months like what, or eight months or 12 months. What good is that? And then when you try to reach out to them, they, try, they throw you through so many hoops that there clearly isn't someone there that really understands not just relationships, but real ROI. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, like I, so I've been trying to replace this and the amount, and what I've been saying to them from the beginning is just send me a new one. And I got five tweets and requests for reviews and, and, and forms to fill out and pictures to take. And not only did they want a picture of my uh, Fitbit, they wanted me to take a case number that they gave me, write it on a piece of paper and put it in the picture. So I couldn't just grab my phone, thing on the wrist, take the picture. I now have to find and try to try to find pen and paper these days. I had to find pen and paper and I had to find a place where I could put it down with the with, with and take a picture and send it to them. And then they're telling me, oh, no, that's because my daughter had the same problem. No, I think you have the wrong Fitbit with the wrong case number. And I'm like, guys, like I'm, I had enough. Send me the damn Fitbit. It costs no. $89. I, I make $89 a minute for my work. You guys have just spent $2,000 of my money on this problem. I could have bought 20 Fitbits and had them delivered. Plus, what does it really cost to manufacture a Fitbit? What does Fitbit pay? What is their cost? 20 bucks, right? If that. Are, now, here's the ROI I'm talking about. Forget about my time. How much of their agency time, of their social media person time, of the person sending me the, I mean, how much time did they put in to get me to jump through hoops to determine whether it was worth replacing my 
They spent more money than it would have cost them to just be, build a great reputation by saying, oh, it's broken. Here's a new one. Yeah. End of story. Well, and I think, you know, what's what's really interesting with your story about the Fitbit is that there it's created this this relationship for you with the actual device beyond beyond just the device. It's with the organization that's behind the device saying like, OK, I don't want to work with you anymore. Right. And then they're telling me to upload things to my app. And I'm like, I don't even use the fucking app. Like I look at my damn thing. It tells me I got my 10,000 steps and I'm happy. And then they tell my daughter, they asked me for her email address so they can track her device. Now, here's where technology runs awry. So they have all this stuff. They've got it linked to a profile and to your app and to your thing. So they, they say to me, oh, we can't help you with your daughters unless you tell us her email address. I get the email address. She find, they find Nicole Rubin and stuff. And then they start emailing her. And my daughter texts me and goes, why the fuck am I getting emails from Fitbit? I threw that piece of shit out last week after I gave you the charger for yours. I don't like, I'm like, why? And then she goes, get this, dad. In the instructions of what I had to do to qualify for a new Fitbit, they want, now, by the way, in the case, it shows that the problem with hers is it will not charge. They want me to take my charged Fitbit and attach it to the app. How can I attach my charge Fitbit if the problem with my Fitbit is it doesn't charge? That means some idiot in their in their department or in their software or in their automatic bots that send out this shit or their agency. And I'll bet you anything if I got a person on the phone, they would have said to me, I know this is stupid, but I don't have a choice. This is what I have to do. I've been, how many times have you been through this? They go, I know it would be easier. And you say, well, why don't you just do it? Oh, I'm not allowed to because they don't empower employees. It's mm-hmm. all about the damn technology. You know, you got to fill out the form and do a thing and it goes into our Salesforce thing and then we can track it. And, but that's and inefficient, and inefficiency in operations. That's beyond the right. technology. And now I've talked about this on two nationally broadcast podcasts. I'm going to write a blog post about it. I have a copy of the stupid email telling me to charge the unchargeable units. (laughs) Just dumb. And by the way, that's just me. What about the thousands of when I when I tweeted about this? And by the way, my tweet was was, hey, Fitbit, you know, the thing broke. I want blah, blah, blah. And then they answered me immediately because they got that, you know, and I and then three people jumped in and said, oh, wow, how cool is that? They answered you immediately. I said, well, they still haven't fixed my problem. So that's really nice and good. But. Let's see what happens. Yeah. And then I get an automatic tweet from them thanking me for that. And then I get a DM asking me if I could review them. I said, you really don't want me to do that. Wow. Like, because this is in a queue. Yeah. Using technology yep. to make their job easier. But what they're doing is imagine how many people my daughter's going to talk to. And you don't think she's walking in a sorority and going, those idiots want yeah. me to That's a customer you. service fail on a big level. But, but it's, it's a brand fail. Yeah. See, now the problem is they're going to call it a customer service fail. It's not. Mm. It's a brand fail. It's a culture fail. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's an executive suite fail. Yeah. Because, and they're going to say, well, you know, we can't measure relationships and we really can't measure. Yeah, but know what you can measure? How many hours of time did it take that person to deal with this issue? Yeah. And how much does it cost to just send me a new one? That's so, ROI right there. Easy to measure. Yeah. And, and so some, some good words of wisdom for, for our audience, because a lot of them are entrepreneurs, is to really understand how to support that experience so that yes. you actually develop those deep, trusting relationships. And then it's not just about building the right product or making sure that, 
you know, the systems are in place for, you know, the checklist. Do you have these things done when something goes wrong? It's really about right. developing those relationships. And, and as long as you're on this call, I do want to say that in the end, they're sending us both new Fitbits. Oh, good. But, 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 but and, and that's a good thing. And I will give them credit for that. But should be told, if I was not in the business I'm in, wanting to see where this would go, I would have walked away from it two days ago. Mm-hmm. And just said, I had enough. I'll just buy either I'll buy a new one for eighty nine dollars or I'll buy another one. I don't need, but but I also I'm a human and I want to win. Like I want to get my free thing because it didn't work and I bought it. What happens a lot is technology gets in the way instead of being an additive. Because and that's not because of the technology. That's because of the way it's used. Mm-hmm. It's because uh, sometimes the end goal isn't what the end goal should be. I mean, like Amazon is a company that does a great job utilizing their technology to, to enhance their brand and to make our experience better. Yes. And, and and even when it doesn't work, because I've had some interesting experiences with Amazon where I think they were switching their delivery system or something. So for about two weeks, everything came really late from Amazon. And it was one of those things that I had gotten so used to the fact that if I ordered something from Amazon, I would get it if not the next day, in two days. No problem. And right. all of these things came late, which was when I was actually starting my recording for my podcast. And so I was waiting for all of this gear to show up. Right. And it was late. And, and it, it totally changed my relationship with them. Yet, when I called them, they were incredibly supportive. They sent out new stuff right away. Right. When the other stuff came, they sent me a slip to, you know, just drop it off at UPS. So... They manage that whole process in a way that I came out of it feeling good about my relationship with Amazon rather than feeling frustrated. I like to say it's not about not making mistakes. Every company has screw-ups and mistakes. It's about what you do after they happen. Absolutely. How you, how you handle them. And also, I think Amazon does a great job of listening. And I mm-hmm. don't mean that they, they don't engage directly. It's not like they're on social channels. But what they do is they up, they change their service in ways that we all complained about the way it was before, and then all of a sudden it gets better. You know, like it used to be you had to pack up the thing and put a slip on top, and, and it was still great because nobody else was taking shit back, and you, you could go and drop it off. Now I say I want to return it. They say box it up, leave it outside your door, and it gets picked up. And, and it used to be it would wait until it got to the warehouse before you get credited. Now you get credited the, like almost the, as soon as the UPS guy or, or the uh, down here in Florida, they don't have Amazon delivery. But in New York, I got most of my stuff from an Amazon truck with an Amazon driver. And the minute they got the stuff, you, you, you got that email and you get the alerts. You get the email saying, we just credited your account. And like, you know, and these are things that people complained about. And they didn't necessarily, like, um, listening doesn't mean you're in there answering all the time. Mm-hmm. It means you're making changes relative to the, to the feedback you're getting. Yeah. And I like to say the best way to show a consumer you're listening is to make the change that they ask for. So true. So tell me a little bit about uh, your current book. Because, you well, you've got one that just came out, The Age of Influence, Selling to the Digitally Connected Customer. But you also just told me in the green room that you've got something new in the pipeline. So... Can you tell me a little bit yeah, about those, what we partner, got coming up? Yeah. So my business partner, John Andrews, is um, what I call a retail geek. So John worked at a whole bunch of CPG companies over the years. Um, he ended up, uh, his last CPG job was at Walmart. 
Um, and when he, he started something at Walmart called 11 Moms, which was connecting brands and bloggers and retailers, which, which he turned into Collective Bias, which he brought me in as a partner and got acquired last year. So, you know, really great ride. But John is a retail geek, meaning I talk about retail and I will, I talk about it in relation to how it's evolving in consumers, but John like lives it. He goes into the stores. He likes to experience it. He takes his daughter with him. He shops as a family and he really has insight into the way things are changing. And so much of it relates to my ideas about reputation and brand and return on relationship. So we make a great, we make a great twosome on that. And we make videos all the time. We were at Bed Bath and Beyond the other day. I don't know if you saw our videos and, you know, I, I discovered they have these amazing massage pads that go on chairs. So I'm just using it as a spa lately. I go there and I literally, so I'm, I've been renovating my apartment. So I've been going there a lot. So whenever I need something, I leave extra time. I take my phone and I sit for like 30, 40 minutes in these chairs. Now, here's the cool part. They don't care. Now, they have not evolved yet into an experiential retailer, which I think a lot of retailers are going to, but they allow the consumer to make it into that. If you want to put a, I, I lay on the beds in there. I mean, they don't come over. Like, and you go to a mattress, you go to some of these places and they yell at you. Like, you go to Macy's and try to lay on the bed or Bloomingdale's, they're like, excuse me, that bed is not for laying down on. You can do it there. And so John and I, we love retail. We talk about retail. We love going shopping together and having fun. We, we shop online and digitally. And what, what we're saying now is, you know, John was a big part at Walmart. And at Walmart, there's a thing called EDLP. It's called Everyday Low Price. This is the, basically the, the whole brand of what Walmart's about. We're not discounting. It's not about sales. It's always low prices. That was Sam Walton's thing. And what John and I are saying is that simplicity is the new EDLP. That it's not, I mean, don't, that doesn't mean pricing isn't important, but it's not the most important factor anymore. And people will argue with me all day long or with us and say, what are you talking about? You know, middle America, they'll save a nickel. You know what? Everybody's starting to learn the value of their time. Simplicity is relatable to time, meaning if it's going to take me two hours longer than it would by clicking a button, and that doesn't mean it's all going digital. It means even in the store level, making it where you can combine things. So John and I are in with, with, with two of our other business partners, Daniel Small and Mike Frazier in Raleigh. I'm like, dude, we have to go to Bed Bath Bed, and Beyond. It's awesome. And we're like sitting in the chairs making videos, having fun, and the guys, the employees are walking by, and they're smiling. I'm like, hey, man, um, can we get a beer? Uh, you got any coffee? And they're, they're like playing along with, they're like, wouldn't that be awesome? That would really be fun. But so what we're doing is we're writing a book about the way retail is evolving. And uh, again, people always mistake us. They think we're saying that the retail store is dead. We're not. We're saying the old store retail store is dead. We're saying my opinion, Macy's, Sears, Kmart, uh, um, Kohl's, JC Penney, walking dead. Dicks, dicks. Oh my God, dicks. They're they're, they're, they tell Wall Street they're going to discount and promote their way out of, uh, out of their problems. No, that's just going to take you quicker to the bottom because now you walk into a dick store and there's no one to help you. They have no inventory. And when they say they don't have something, they don't whip out an iPad and say, oh, we can get it from here and you can get it or we'll deliver it. Or they say, oh, sorry, we don't have it. And what do you do? So it's really integrating the digital into the experience where it can create more of a simple process right. for you to and actually get what you desire when you're coming here. If you make it easy, she will shop with you again and again and again. Mm -hmm. I mean, and if, or if you make her life better or if you add value. Now, we're not saying we have the solution. What we're saying is there's change. So we're writing a book 
John is the primary author because he's retail geek and, 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 and it's his first book. And, and really a lot of it is his thinking. My stuff is a lot of the social and connection stuff. And it's called Retail Relevancy. And we have a hashtag, Retail Relevancy. And we have a website, which there's not much on, but it's retailrelevancy.com. And we're hoping to have the book out in, in the first quarter of next year. Great. Um, well, we'll make sure we put all of that in the show notes so that the listeners can find it. Because I think that particularly people right. that have something physical they're trying to sell, understanding that whole retail sort of that evolution of where things are going is going to be critical for survival of their their industry. So pretty cool stuff. So that's exciting and fun. And then John and I also have a business called Prevailing Path, where we create content mostly from insights companies who, to better understand the path to purchase. Great. And on top of that, both you and John are great, easy to to uh, relate to people. So I think that that makes that whole experience of understanding that process and what those changes that are happening when you're dealing with people that you can relate to, you know, yes. for the listeners out there, if you're curious about where these things are going, check out Prevailing Path and find Ted stuff. He's got some great books from his previous work and now where he's going. There's great quick reads and just a lot of really cool content there. And um, the other thing that actually I've had a lot of interaction with you in the last 10 years, sort of dropping in occasionally for Brand Innovators, which has been really fun. And you're currently the acting CMO for Brand Innovators. Well, r- really, I'm, I'm, I'm more of their MC host. Uh, the ambassador, sort of. You know, I helped them with their marketing early on. I, I, I acquired the title. They've kind of kept it. Uh, I, I, I kind of oversee some of that stuff from a very high level, but really what I am is the MC host of their events. And one other thing, just so you, for your readers, relevant to the retail relevancy thing, is I now have a weekly or sometimes bi-weekly segment on Cheddar TV. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Cheddar TV, C-H-E-D-D-A-R. If you're not, Heidi, you better check it out. Okay. Because it, yeah, it's 18 months ago it, it was launched. It's a all-digital live streaming network. That, that broadcast from the New York Stock Exchange um, every day, twice a day. It was founded by John Steinberg, who was the COO of BuzzFeed and then the CEO of Daily Mail. And it's getting millions of views a day. And it's kind of exciting. And they brought me in. They were looking for someone from the social space. And I've kind of evolved into their retail guy. So cool. it, it, a lot of that conversation happening there as well. Very exciting. Well, I think that there's, I mean, there's so much great stuff that you're working with right now. And I think I urge my listeners to follow you on, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, find out what's going on with Ted. He's got some really cool things happening and just watch how he uses, you know, how you use social media and how you use digital to, to really have the impact and reach. And, and also that, you know, as we're talking about a little bit of the ability to be able to, you know, to not be limited by time and space and be able to still reach a wide audience and have the impact that you desire. I think you really personify that and it's something to be watched and and learned from. And so I think our our listeners could learn a lot from that. And before we go, I want to see if you have any particular words of wisdom for our listeners and sort of what you see in this year coming that, uh, that they should be mindful of around their relationship with technology and how that might impact their ability to have that strong relationship. I think what, like, and this is something I've been writing about lately, is they have to be careful about letting technology take over the relationship. And, I, and what John and I like to say is marketing will win when humans control the machines instead of machines controlling the humans. So my, my advice is 
control your technology. And I don't mean let it, because it's not like it isn't land of the machines yet. We're not in Terminator's territory yet. So I'm not saying worry about your technology taking you over. What I mean is worry about letting automating too much, thinking mm-hmm. that technology can do the job for you, thinking that you can you can schedule everything or pre-post it or let something do it for you. Realize that the real value comes from the human connection and that it does scale. Because like I said earlier, the vast majority of people participate vicariously. They watch your conversations and you don't even know they're there. But I guarantee you, no matter how many followers you have, it's more like 10x how many people are paying attention to you if you interact and engage. I mean, I go to events all over the country. Like, like you mentioned, Heidi, brand innovators are everywhere. I do about 40 of their events a year. And I meet people all the time that I have no idea that they knew me. I, I, I'm, they're not connected to me on social. They've never liked one of my posts. I've never seen their face. And the first thing they say to me is, oh my God, that post you wrote last week uh, about mo- connecting in moments with consumers, that really hit a mark. And I used that in my last meeting with, with my vice president. You know, and, and this happens time and time again to the point where it was something I was talking about for years, but it totally proves out the point that there are many more people interacting, engaging with your content than you know, because they're doing it without making themselves known. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so it really does scale. You know, yes, there's only so many people you can talk to, but most of those people will say, hey, wow, I called Ted the other day and he picked up the phone. Or, you know, I was at, I was at this event and Ted took time to sit down in between things and talk to me. Or, oh, my God, Ted Rubin posted that he was – or Heidi posted that, that they were coming to Dallas, and I texted her and she met me for coffee. Now, now yes, you couldn't have met a 1,000 people if they texted you for coffee, but number one is they wouldn't have, but the person who did met you – And what I'll do sometimes when too many people reach out is I'll say, hey, you know what? I'm going to be at this bar at this time from 7 to 10 o'clock on Thursday night. If you want to say hello, come by. And if they don't, they don't. But you just gave this opportunity. And that and that also, even the people that don't come, they go, hey, man, Ted invited me to this bar to meet him. You know, so like I said, a brand is what you do. A reputation is what people remember and share. Mm -hmm. And that scales. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that... That example is a beautiful way of expressing how you can bring humanity into using technology to support your ability to be human by having that open invitation and saying, hey, I'm going to be here and then just see who shows up. And the way people read and care. So like, you know, before the podcast, we, you mentioned a little bit about my daughters and, yep. and people that know me or follow me know that I have a hashtag, this dad won't quit. I've had to fight to keep my daughters in my life when they were younger. And the fight continues because even at 20 and 22, their mother makes it very difficult for them emotionally to have a relationship with me. And I write about this a lot and I forget about it. And by the way, you know, I work hard and I stay present. So my, my younger daughter and I, the relationship has really, has, has really grown and I've worked hard and I've seen a lot of results. I have not seen the same with my older daughter. She's been a lot tougher, but I still make sure to let her know I'm thinking about her. Even if she doesn't respond, I don't write, hey, you're not responding. I just put it out there. I always stay present. But the point I'm making is that so many people know this about me, that when I'll say something out there about, they'll go, oh my God, is that for your daughters? Uh, you know, I, I've read so much about you and I respect so much about what you've done in life. What can I do to help? I mean, just the other day, my daughter was working on an internship and she needed some help with her resume. And I posted something else and I got like, oh my God, I got overwhelmed with responses of people offering to format it because I'm terrible at like formatting and she was having a problem (laughs) because it was in an app and oh my God, I had it done within a couple of hours. Reformatted us a little bit and then I had 20 other people and at this point, it wasn't necessary because she's not out in the job market. It was for an issue, but offering to rework it, to help her with the content, to coach her 
if she wanted. And a lot of it came from people where I got side messages going, listen, I've been following you for years. I so respect what you've done with your daughters and the way you've stayed present. Anything I can do to help. And that's your brand preceding you. Mm-hmm. And, it, and and these are people that I never talked to about this, yeah. but they know. So you, they you know, they're there. So, so this is what I'm saying. If we're going into 2018, control your technology and make it work for you. Great closing words. And thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today and just being here and doing what you do, because it is so valuable and so much needed for, for us to remember how to use technology to enhance our humanity, to enhance our ability to, as business owners and as individuals, to connect and really do things that matter. So thank you so much, Ted. I really appreciate your taking the time to join us today. And don't forget to subscribe to the Evolving Digital Self podcast so that you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, won't you take a moment to write a short review and rate our show and share it with your friends. It would be greatly appreciated. So thanks for joining us today. And we look forward to seeing you again on the Evolving Digital Self podcast. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for joining us for the Evolving Digital Self. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app now so that you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, please give us a rating and a review and join the digital self-mastery movement to create more conscious use of technology by sharing it and telling your friends. Want to see where you fit on the digital self spectrum and how it might be impacting your business and relationships? Get your free copy of Digital Self Mastery today by clicking on the link in the show notes.